0: Welcome to the GNT Show.
1: Alright, welcome everyone to another G&T show where we discuss the happenings and going on goings on in the world of rugby league. And once again, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, a man who this week was arrested outside his local government area with 27 kilos of Lebanese groceries. Gee,
0: if you cannot find particular groceries in your area, it's okay to go outside if you can so i did run out of zata so i had to go get an emergency supply from a different lga
1: is it true that the sniffer dog sniffed the zata from across the road
0: (laughs) well it was anyone any number of dogs that people are out walking at the moment for those walking their dogs can you please pick up the shit off the pavement it's getting a bit beyond a joke at the moment
1: well geez dealing with first world problems of course how was your week Chief?
0: not bad i guess i mean it's all dominated by covid isn't it so trying to stay positive we haven't had it as bad as other countries but it's still you know it, it at times hard to deal with for everybody kids parents people on their own um, people that are getting sick and also unfortunately those who passed away so it's dominating the headlines and hopefully we get through it fairly soon here here
1: all right Let's move on to the news of the, the news of the week. Anything catch your eye this week?
0: Other than Jaden Ockinball being racially abused by an irrational Bulldogs fan.
1: Actually, that's a good segue because the Broncos um, have taken a stand against the online trolling and have reported them to police and asked for the for the trolls to be arrested or investigated. Um, And I think the same thing by the Bulldogs. I think it's just getting out of hand. You, We forget that these kids are 19, 20 years old. I mean, some of the online abuse is vile. They're not deliberately going out there to drop the ball or have a misread. Mate, if it was your kids how would you react i mean i think this is disgraceful
0: i i think it's disgraceful it gives people the internet's always given people a fallacy of and at times a reality of sort of anonymity right so it allows you to sort of say things that you wouldn't ordinarily say in front of others or to someone in person so i I think it's disgraceful and i think it's great that people are starting to take um, more action on it and i think that is really what is required the great thing about the Jaden ockinball thing is Jaden ockinball actually published the guy's name because he just said look I'd had enough. So, so did Tessie New and others at the Broncos. Yeah, I didn't see those, but um, I, I thought good on Jaden Ackaboy. And other than the derogatory racial comments, which were disgraceful, let me just say that that guy has no idea about the fucking footy either. To blame Jaden Ackaboy for losing the game, I'm like, dude, what game are you watching, mate? He's the least of our problems. As a Bulldogs fan, I mean, the guy was an idiot, and um, even his assessment of football is. Would you have
1: defended him as? Stridently, if he was criticising Corey,
0: oh, if he was having a go at Corey Allen's moustache, absolutely, I would have defended him.
1: What about his attacking and defending? If he'd had a go at that,
0: I think the the removal of the moustache made no difference
1: whatsoever. Is that what is that what it was when I was watching the game today? I'm not the so There's something different. Yes, about he you. shaved his moustache. off. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. There's there's a bit of news. I mean, there wasn't as much. Um, Slapstick comedy this week in the news, but there was still was quite a bit of news in the in the NRL world. Officially, the Rugby League World Cup has been postponed to twenty twenty two. I did see that. Yes, yeah, I didn't think that was a good decision, but they were left with no choice when the New Zealand Rugby League and the Australian Rugby League pulled out. Um, I went back and had a look at the records, and the Kangaroos have played four times since the twenty seventeen Rugby League World Cup final. I mean, if we're not prepared to support international rugby league then I guess it, it is it is becoming it's gonna become just a New South Wales and Queensland sport.
0: Pretty disgraceful, isn't it? I mean four times in five years. I mean You know my
1: views on this. We've spoken about it week after week. They, they can host an Olympics. They can host an Olympics but they can't host the Rugby League World Cup.
0: And the thing is, right, what option did they give them anyway? Once New South like we said, New Zealand, and Australia pulled out, there was no option but to cancel it because they're two your two marquee teams.
1: Let's move on to some more positive news. Um, we've criticised Phil Gould's been absolutely slaying everyone online about the Rugby League World Cup and saying that it should be postponed for 12 months, but I I completely disagree with Phil Gould.
0: I can't say anything negative about Phil Gould anymore.
1: You've been blocked on Twitter by him.
0: Yeah, but also because he's taking over the Bulldogs essentially, so Phil, we love you.
1: Oh, look at you. What do you care? You're a manly slash Melbourne supporter.
0: That may or may not be correct. Can we move on please
1: before (laughs) I get I'll get branded as disloyal. The families were reunited with the players after 14 days in the bubble in Queensland. They were reunited just in time for the Queensland government today to lift all restrictions and not require them to be in the bubble anymore.
0: I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) (laughs) to be honest i mean you'd be pretty ticked off but in a way i suppose if they're going to be there for a couple of months you'll probably be okay with it because at least you're with your family for the for the next few months
1: well and now that the queensland's opening up i mean i think i think there was some talk of moving after the Blederslow, which was which was actually quite a good game despite your your um not watching it and then slagging it off on our whatsapp group (laughs) yes um
0: as a um as an all blacks fan.
1: Correct. But I mean give it give it a week, you'll become a Fiji fan or an England fan or a Lions fan, so don't worry about
0: it. <laughs> Who's Tommy Turbo playing for? Is he Welsh? <laughs> That's right. Wales.
1: So so um there's some talk that they might move the grand final to Auckland. Well wow. now that Queensland's opened up, I think favourite's probably Suncorp Stadium. But Suncorp Stadium, for those of you that watch the games this weekend, has absolutely taken a beating. I think moving it to Auckland would be a great move as a reward for that team playing out in New South Wales it'll grow the sport there I just think it's a great move all around. look
0: if they can and they can really sort of build it up and make it a massive event for New Zealand I think it'd be very much worthwhile to move it to Auckland I think it'll be a great idea whether they can do that or not I don't know as a if they're unable to do that, then Brisbane's probably your next bet, or even North Queensland.
1: In order for it to go to New Zealand, the New Zealand government would have to give an exemption, the same way it gave to the Wallabies. They've, they've got a chance of getting it over the line. At least it's, it's, it's got a better chance of getting it over the line there than, say, going over to the UK for the Rugby League World Cup.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. We're not interested in
1: that. All right, there has been some movements and some rumours in, in the game. Moses Imba has gone to the Saints. Aaron Woods is rumoured to go back to the Tigers uh, as a tree lopper. If I was a dragons <laughs> or tigers fan, I'd be like, who cares? Can you explain to me Saints recruitment?
0: No, I don't. Where does Moses and Bayer fit? Like, how ha- is he any better than Adam Clune, for example? Probably not. So, why are pay- you taking him? Don't get it. Maybe they think he's hooker. I have no idea what they're doing. Don't they have McCulloch? Mate, I honestly have no idea what Saints are doing. I really don't.
1: I I don't get the recruitment at all at St. George. I don't know what they're doing there recruitment-wise. And Aaron Woods, what's the question Madge is asking himself where Aaron Woods is the answer? Because
0: there seems to be this rumour going around in the NRL for a long time that he's a leader, whereas usually every team he joins seems to perform poorly so i don't know where that comes from and i might sound harsh but once players have some reputation or some kind of media branded stereotype or perception it just sticks but because he played state of origin, etc., people thought he
1: was good. But if you watch the games week to week, correct. We had this conversation when he signed for the Bulldogs. Other than origin, I think oh, he did have a few origin games. But his club form. Well, mate, he's
0: solid, right? So the thing is, but he's not a marquee guy. But so what, if I were the Tigers, what does that add in it, other than in depth? I, I mean, great, fine. If you want to forward to round out your twenty-five, he he's he's okay. He's not terrible, but he's not going to change anything.
1: Your starting props are James Tarmow. And Aaron Woods, if he goes there, 2015 called and, and <laughs> they want their props back.
0: <laughs> like I said, look, for experience or prop or maybe in the background, there's a lot we don't know about how he, he handles himself and what example he sets for. A... I don't think he's the answer, really. There's no point. You've got forwards there that you can build up and go buy some, someone younger. Because I'd imagine he'd be on big money. That's my, that's my assumption.
1: I don't think they'll be signing him on big money. I would doubt that. Well, I don't know, mate. He he's he's a name. Yeah. I think I think he he wouldn't be worth much more than Paul Vaughan. In fact, he'd be worth he'd be worth less than Paul Vaughan. He hasn't been playing as well as Paul Vaughan. There's this massive thing attached to Origin constantly, but to be honest, Origin's three games. It's been a few years since he's played Origin, though. 2018 was the last time he played Origin, wasn't it? I mean, it's been by next year it'll be four years since he played Origin. You watch TV and they talk about how great great he is, and you know he's an
0: Origin player. That perception of him being a state of Origin player, his performance doesn't match his. His reputation, I guess.
1: There are a lot of players also not off contract at the end of this season, but from 1st of November, because they're off contract at the end of next season, they're able to negotiate with different clubs. It's a, it's a bit like the Bosman rule, except instead of the last six months, it's the last 12 months. I'll, I'll start with one player in particular that's off contract, and 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 the Warriors have already said they're, they're willing to offer him a million dollars a year. And that's Joey Manu. And the All Blacks have also expressed an interest. Now, this is a little bit different. So normally, Blake Ferguson mentioning rugby and those types of players mentioning rugby, it's it's a way for them to drive up their contract. This is a little bit different insofar as Joey Manu from a very young age said his dream was to play for an All Blacks, even before he signed his latest Roosters contract. And this is not coming out of Joey Manu's camp. This is actually coming from the All Blacks. This time.
0: To be honest, I think he'd absolutely be amazing uh, as a back in rugby. Um, well, he's
1: not going to play as a forward, is he? <clears throat> you never know. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> what? what did you think he was going to play? He'd be an amazing front row prop. Look, he's a marquee guy in the absolute prime of his career. But if he's going to, if you're going to pay him a million bucks, he can't play in the centres. I would say
0: the Warriors want him as a five-eighth or fullback. That's what I'd imagine. They've probably seen him and seen him get his hands on the ball, and they'd want him as a fullback or a five, eight.
1: What does that mean for Chanel Harris, Tavita, and Cody Nikorima?
0: I think Cody Nicarima is. One of these players that is magical. He's got brilliant skill and vision. He just always seems to be matched with the wrong coaches is my perception of him. I think if I was South, for example, I would have taken Nick Arima over Milford any day of the week. But he needs a player, that a coach that lets him play football. In fact, he would be great for the Gold Coast. Great signing for the Gold Coast because the way they play suits his football.
1: Yeah, and so just, just the Gold Coast do struggle on the defensive end. How do you reckon... Cody Nicarima would add to their defensive backbone
0: oh, he, he's better than Buddy Fogarty and Taylor so he his... but not Toby
1: Sexton can we talk yeah, about Toby we Sexton will. not we will better later. Than him.
0: Yep. it probably means they're just not settled with either him or Chanel Harris-Tavita and I'm not really sure if Nathan Brown sold on any of them is my guess yeah
1: well I, I reckon they're worth a shot I reckon they're worth persevering with I, could, I think they could be the long term halves pairing there particularly Chanel Harris-Tavita he's very young the Manu thing is big news if he goes to the All Blacks but he'd be a great rugby player the only thing I worry about is he can't kick the ball I haven't seen him kick the ball too much he's the top he strikes him as the type of player that's athletic to just easily pick
0: it up and improve
1: yeah that's I agree with that I agree with that but but there is a lot more tactical kicking in rugby than there are than there is in rugby league but he'll be, he'll be fine. He, he's too skillful. Now, a team that's actually, with that Bosman ruling or with the off-contract stars at the end of 22, that is, and in my opinion, we've had a conversation earlier today, I think their premiership window is now shut, is my Mighty Eels. There the,
0: used to be Mighty e- Eels. In fact, your Eels are turning into Unagi
1: on... A sushi platter those eels are cooked that's great g so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad how's your how's your bulldogs going they never got started they're still in the kennel so are they in the restaurant where are they are they in the garbage can no, out the, the back in the yeah. outside yes they yeah. are in fact the bulldogs are actually a french bulldog a, a fake tough guy
0: that's what they are
1: yeah the eels have got look, look at the players they've got off contract at the end of next year gutho dylan brown Ryan Madison, Reed Marnie, Isaiah Papali, who's current—he's only on 140 grand a year at the moment, but will command 600 grand a year. Easily, yes. Junior Paulo and Nia Corre. My view is um, we're not going to be able to keep all of these because some of these contracts are going to need to be upgraded. The numbers that have been spoken about is Isaiah Papali is going to be 600K, Junior Paulo's looking for seven hundred k. Nia is looking for five fifty k and has already had bites at five fifty k with teams willing to buy in Nia Kore really? Yep. Wow. Okay. Reid Marnie and Ryan Madison looking for five fifty k. Nia has been really good for us on the edge. He has been, but that's a lot. That's a
0: lot of money for for that type of player. Not in a nine million dollar salary cap. Um, yeah, oh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of players around that kind of level that you can pick up for a bit cheaper.
1: I think you'll find that that's about average for a starting back row. Dylan Brown's looking for. 500k and gutho apparently is looking for 750k the rumor is the the agents already said that they took a discount last time to state para they think the 750k figure is conservative if they went to market that they'd be able to get a lot more i would say so that's 4.2 million 4.2 million i can't see how we're going to fit them under the salary cap and i think our window is closing actually you'd have to call yorku (laughs) Politakis. Yorgo so Politisopoulos. Yorgo Politisopoulos. That's who you'd have to call. Yorgo's great advisor would like a call out on this pod, which is Cuts. Yes. Who um who does the books? That is why sixty two percent of their hundred million dollars salary cap is currently on the. Oh, he's a
0: wizard with numbers. Yeah. Is that why? Is that why Cuts is driving a brand new um, Range Rover? <laughs> His company car. <laughs> No, no, it's not a company car. He just happened to find it in his driveway when he came home one day. Who would you prioritise on that off that list? We'll have this discussion. I think is in a bit of a quandary at the moment. Their window has closed, definitely. T- to change the trajectory of their team, they really need to think about how they want to play
1: football and what type of style they want to Progress to in some of those plays. The the attack's got no creativity and imagination. It's it's just it's second. It's just it's just block play and bombs. We rely too much on both plays. And the same thing happened last year. Same thing happened last year. Not enough speed. Block play and bombs. No team has scored as many tries off kicks as we have.
0: I think Brad Arthur is part of the issue.
1: Well, I agree. I agree. I think Brad Arthur's run his course. Well, he's not going to get us to the promised line. Well,
0: you always say that sometimes teams time their runs towards the semi finals. Both years now, Para are starting to play a more inverted commas semi final style of football as they're yeah. getting closer. And actually, they're getting fucking worse. And this has happened two years in a row, right? Their, I've noticed. Their defence is and attitude in general is pretty good. But attack-wise, they're starting to struggle because they're probably trying to play semifinal football. The problem is semi-final football like that is easy to beat for any half-decent defence. And whilst their defence can keep them in games, they're going to need a lot of luck to win a game. And against some of these better sides, you need more than luck. i
1: mean, in my list. My list is Gutho, Reed, Marnie, and Junior Paulo. They're the ones I keep. They're the ones I prioritise.
0: I would. I think Ryan Madison is a is a key signing because you need someone that is athletic and fast and can break the line on the fringe and he's got good skill and speed. Um, he is injury prone. I think, can I
1: can I be honest? I think I think he flatters to deceive. Ryan Madison. I think he'll play five great games a season. Other games he's at eighty percent. Like he's, he's he's not he's not one of the elite back rowers in the competition.
0: Fair enough. I I think he can be still and he's not being used entirely. Do correctly.
1: you reckon I would rather have Isaiah Papali if I had to choose between?
0: I, if I had to choose between. Both I would pick Isaiah Papoli, yes, I would.
1: The reason half of Ryan Madison's attacking benefit for us is the same reason it's the same way we use Sean Lane which is that little bomb that we stick up to the second rowers. Like, like I, I can almost tell you the plays. Like, that's how predictable they are.
0: With Para, where they really need to have a think about is what they're going to do with Gutherson. If you're going to keep him, you either get speed around him or you shift him to 5'8 and get a really fast fullback because they're missing a dynamism in their attack and a thrust and speed that other teams have that parallax. And they rely a lot on Gutherson for directness, but he can't do it all on his own and he's not fast enough.
1: Well, and is one of these funny teams where actually the defence, I'm okay with. The defence is I mean, pretty yeah, they good. they have their lapses and all that sort of stuff. The defence is okay. It's just, it's just we can't... Can't score. You, I agree with you. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree with you. We just don't have enough thrust. I mean, we need better attack. And, I, can I, and I've And i said this last year, and I've, I said it earlier this year. Mitchell Moses, I'm not sure about either.
0: I think Brad Arthur's the wrong coach for Mitchell Moses but he's 27, 28. And I've said this before, I think Mitchell Moses is caught between who he actually is and what his strengths are and who they're trying to make him be, which isn't what he's good at. And so what you get is you get some games where he's brilliant and his confidence soars and other games where he's trying to play a role and it just doesn't suit him. Mitchell Moses should be playing like Jerome Hughes. He doesn't. So which players would you prioritise off that list? Agree with you, but I also think it depends what you want to do with Gutherson. You're
1: leaning towards letting
0: letting him go. If I want to have him at fullback and have these stodgy defenders and try to outgrind another team, then I think, Gutherson needs to leave because I think then he's wasted at Parramatta.
1: That wasn't the question. The question wasn't should should he leave. The question is who should Parramatta
0: prioritise. Yeah, and I think he's depends on how you want to play is whether you prioritise him or not. But I would take Papali if he's off contract. I think he's a a, a different type of back rower. He plays with a fire and a passion and aggressiveness. Yeah, but you're not going to get him for 140, right? You're going to have to pay him 500 grand more. If you think Junior Paulo has got still got that motor and that skill, he can be a very unique front rower. So he adds something different, I'd pay him. I would pay Gutherson, but I'd look to revamp The back line around him. Dylan Brown, I think him and Gutherson, in my opinion,
1: are redundant. Yeah, I think Dylan Brown hasn't come along as much as we would have liked in the last two seasons. I
0: think Gutherson's more the 5'8 now than Dylan Brown.
1: No, no, no. I I disagree with that. Gutho doesn't play 5'8 for Para, and he's still first option either side of the ruck. Gutho comes in around the back. I agree with you we don't have enough strike. There is another issue here which is we play too structured. You play structured and you're flat a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Alright, let's move on to some more news. G really enjoyed talking about Parramatta when he came in off the long run up. I do. So I'm going to fucking give it to him off of the dogs again when we talk about them. By
0: the way, I'm getting sledged by one of our mates about the dogs. Look, I mean, we're coming last. We've barely won a game all season and barely look like scoring a try and I'm still getting sledged.
1: At what point do you? Is there a mercy rule he for He doesn't that?
0: refer to you as a friend. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Not funny.
1: <laughs> so, what do you mean? What do you mean? You, you look at you you, come, you. you haven't tipped your team all year. Last week you came on the pod and admitted that you prefer Manly. Yes.
0: I told you the Tigers would win. Just disgraceful. No, you didn't. Yes, did. Have
1: you listened to the pod? Yeah, I
0: picked the Tigers.
1: You said... Anyway. Oh, you tipped the Tigers, but you didn't call it that You said, I think we've got I a real chance my in this game. I my mind. You changed your mind. That's what happened. Anyway, yeah, go. All right, Curtis Scott has been charged after a nightclub brawl. Now, Ch- Ch- Curtis Scott has got a massive rap he sheet. He does. I don't think. I I don't think he's coming back to the NRL anytime soon.
0: No, and that was part of the reason apparently Melbourne
1: let him go. So, in in sad news, Tavita Pangai Junior didn't make his debut. Yes, for the Panthers, he had to go back to be with his wife, back with their family. Now, um. He's published it online, what happened. They did They did lose a baby during pregnancy, so they're, they're dealing with that. Now thoughts and prayers are out with him. I just hope no one trolled him. Jesus. You know what? I can't believe I'm saying this, but you kind of hope they didn't because you never know. You never know, right, the way this, this stuff's going.
0: Hopefully him and his partner are okay and it's a very difficult thing to to deal with. So thoughts with Tavita Pangai and his partner. Hopefully they um, get some good news going forward. You wouldn't wish that no, on anyone. No, not right? at all. So The
1: NRL has started talking with the Players Association about next year. The Emperor came out and said he won't mandate vaccines for the players. But there is a lot of conjecture around the rules for next year because if all the other sports internationally that are opening up have got a different set of rules for those players that are vaccinated versus those that aren't, those that aren't have to stay in level four protocols. Other countries, like there is some rumor that New Zealand won't allow people to travel there if footy players to travel there if they're not vaccinated. There's all this sort of stuff. Josh Papali has already come out and said he won't be vaccinated. This is
0: going to be something for society in general. There's going to be people that are not comfortable with being mandated to be vaccinated. Let's be honest, you're going to be not forced to take a vaccine, but the way things are looking, like you say,
1: there'll be consequences to not not take Exactly. You'll
0: almost be so restricted that you're almost going to be forced without forcibly having to take a vaccine. Otherwise, you won't be able to really get back to any normality within your life or profession or whatever it may be. So it's going to be a big point of discussion um, for
1: for a long time for society in general and the NRL. It does make things incredibly tricky. Some sad news that hit me harder than I thought it was going to hit me. Buzz Rothfield has just reported that Peter Sterling will be retiring. Oh, is that right? Really? Yeah, at the end of this season. 27 seasons with Channel 9. Has that come out of nowhere? Come out of nowhere. He was also... He wants to give the youngsters a go. They're going to freshen it up. Football analysis, and I'm critical of football analysis, but there are some that do it well. Greg Alexander, Warren Smith's actually quite good. Peter Sterling was the doyen and the original person that brought an intelligent form of commentary to the commentary box. Notwithstanding the fact that his name is overlooked as a four-time premiership winning halfback, a Blues... Legend, a uh, kangaroos legend. He had an incredible career, and the fact that we're not even talk about him as an immortal or or or, or how great he was as a player, notwithstanding his commentary. I mean, that is a massive loss. He's only sixty one, just an icon of the game, and someone I'm actually going to miss.
0: Grew up with Fatty also making that transition into a commentator, etc., as well. And you know, when he started to drop off some of the the commentary, you you notice it. And I think with like you probably will hit a little bit harder. Um, because he's been around a lot longer and is a lot more prominent in terms of you know the analysis of the games and
1: stuff. They do need to freshen up the commentary box, though. I mean, it hasn't it? Hasn't it's been stale? Uh, it has been. But I'm not also sometimes a huge fan of some of the people they bring through. To be quite honest, I think. Well, I think they want to give Brad Pittler and Andrew Johns and a few of those names a bit more time. I don't know why they want to give Paul Gallen more time. I think Phil Gould's another one. Ray Warren, Phil Gould, Fatty, and Sterlo. I just think that the rumor is Ray Warren won't be back next year either. That he'll he'll call. Origin 1 to get to 100 Origins I'll tell you who the best Origin commentator Was and he said it Darryl Darryl Eastlake.
0: Eastlake was the best honestly My friend sent me a clip because of the Olympics, we were talking about the weightlifting and he actually sent oh, yeah, he was a great. clip of um, Darryl Eastlake commentating the weightlifting. And he said all the other commentators got the shits with him because he got so excited over nothing. <laughs> and when you watch the clip, it's actually comical. It's actually really funny. It, you know, you're watching weightlifting and someone's lifting a normal bar and Darryl Eastlake is literally shouting his hair off in excitement. So you do get used to the sounds of your era. So it's going to be sad um, that Sturla retires. I and
1: I just I don't want to see the smart ones retire. I want to see the I want to see Paul Gallen retire. <laughs> Not the hit him. I want I want to see the the guys that make me think about footy and understand footy a bit better. We need more of those intelligent debates in the in in, in media. Not less. I, I would
0: like to see a lot more prominence for Billy Slater, but to allow him to really... He's very
1: good. He's very to good, To really Billy be Slater.
0: articulate and analyse the game. He started off that way. i noticed notice they paired back his role. And same with Alana Ferguson. I'm a big fan of the initial Alana Ferguson. Before, I'm pretty sure what seems to be someone's kind of told her, hey, play your role as part of the commentary. Because... She seemed to then take a back seat, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of Alana Ferguson and Billy Slater.
1: Alana Ferguson, Roz Kelly and Sonny Bill Williams are actually fantastic on the rugby commentary.
0: Oh no, I haven't heard Sonny Bill yet. Just good to have a Pacifica kid there. Sonny Bill could do it, anything you know. and I'd be a fan. Even leaving the Bulldogs, I'm still a fan, but whatever. Go Sonny.
1: <laughs> You're a strange man, G. Speaking of the Bulldogs, unless <laughs> the restrictions ease in Sydney, they will abandon Sydney for the pre-season.
0: Well, to be honest, they're so shit this year that they need to start their preseason now and start training. For are we next
1: sure year. they've been in Sydney? <laughs> I mean, where are they going to go? What do they need? Alaska? Oh, I don't know what to say. Go.
0: I really don't. <laughs> do you know what?
1: Where's he going to go to get rid of COVID, to be COVID free? New Zealand, Tasmania, no. and WA. They're your choices. Trent Barrett's from tomorrow. So tomorrow. They're just going to play on Phil Gould's farm. Yeah, I think so, and tomorrow not as much not as much funny stories this week but certainly a lot still going on
0: although i will say the olympics
1: sadly are coming to a close and oh they were absolutely fantastic i have gorged myself on the olympics a lot of great moments it's just been such a great such a great example of the human spirit it's been fantastic
0: um a lot of great moments and I mean being a bit of a basketball junkie. Your favorite? Fav- oh, the Boomers. How good were the Boomers? The Boomers get it finally getting a medal after so many years and getting so close and then to see Andrew Gaze literally just break
1: down. Afterwards was just unbelievable, so emotional. It was it was the, it was Australia Uruguay for them. It was Australia Uruguay for the basketball. Yeah, just to see it mean so much and
0: I I even remember Watching those games and thinking we're going to get close, and then you you always end up devastated. We're just so close and yet so far at the same time. And it's been so long. We've
1: come fourth a fair few times. Four times we've lost. We've lost that bronze medal game four times.
0: You know what's great about it is it's just a medal. They weren't like oh we have to. It's gold or nothing or any of that type of bullshit that you know you read about and you know the Michael Jordan winner. You know if you're not a winner, you're a loser and all this rubbish. It, just to see how much it meant to. Paddy Mills, and to see Paddy Mills, an Indigenous Australian, kind of be the captain, and just the reverence they have for gays and gays has for the team... None of this back in my day stuff. It was just a. It's like a real camaraderie, and it meant so much to so many people. So, for me, that's probably. Wait, and we the saw highlight. that in
1: a lot of different, a lot of different events too. Oh, the pentathlete that coached his mate on, set the pace for him, and then egged him on to 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 get to the finish line and get bronze. Emma McKeon in the pool. I mean, it's just been absolutely fantastic, and the Katie Ledecky. Ariana Titmus showdown. It's just, it's just been someone knocking off an all-time great and being humble about it.
0: Yeah, a, a lot of great moments, and I think best um,
1: best Olympics since the two thousands for me.
0: Boy, I mean, Gays just to see him break down on TV for literally five or six minutes, like multiple times. Yeah, it was just I, I think it was just yeah, it was unbelievable.
1: And did you, did you did you did you stick around in the coverage for when he thanked you? Of course he did. He said, "I'd like to thank um, G, my Zatar yeah, supplier, yeah my, yeah, my Zatar supplier." <laughs>
0: They snuck it into the sports drinks of the boomers at the Olympics.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. You know what it was? It was the secret sesame seeds. That's what it was. It was. It was. All right. All right. Let's move on to round 21. Um, we're 40 minutes into the podcast and so we haven't even started the footy yet. We're waiting for the semis. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Most of what happens in rugby league happens outside of the game, unfortunately. You know what I mean? So... All right, so first up was the Knights versus the Broncos. The Knights got up 28-20. The the Knights were on a four-day turnaround and were inspired by Mitch Pierce to get the win over the Broncos. The Knights had seven sets on the Broncos line inside the first 10 minutes, but the Knights were guilty of being too impatient and the Bronx absorbed the pressure and actually crossed first through Tessie New. The Knights struck back through Jake Clifford before Tessie New put Corey Oates over, and in fact, despite having no ball, they had to make 178 tackles in the first half compared to 99 by the Knights. The Broncos actually looked like they were going into halftime with an 8-6 lead, but just before halftime... Mitch Pearce stepped and straightened to score to make it 12-8 to the Knights at halftime. The Knights took control after the break with Lachlan Fitzgibbon and Mitch Barnett scoring to make it 24-8 before Kalen Ponga set up Bradman Best to make it 28-8 and killed the game basically. The Broncos got a couple back in the last 15 minutes but the game was over by this point. Um, the Knights' Saifiti and Clemmer did a lot, of, a lot of good work up front. I thought it was Tyson Frizzell's best game as a Knight in a long time, but Mitchell Pearce was clearly the difference. He makes is only his seventh game of the season. He makes such a big bloody difference to the Knights. I did. I, I do want to give a bit of a shout out. Brody Croft got hooked with twenty minutes to go. It wasn't his best night uh, for the Broncos. And and Bradman Best was cleared of a serious shoulder injury after the game. What did you think on this one, G?
0: Other than Kevin Walters continuing to improve the confidence of his halves. <laughs> I mean honestly I don't it's always the the previous halves that turn into coaches that are ultra tough on their halves um, like a Ricky Stewart or a, you know, a Kevi Walters. It's almost like because they played, they almost know what they do, what to do and they're a little bit more critical of their halves, I think. It's but the Glenn Hoddle situation. It is, absolutely. The Broncos were gallant and they've definitely improved. That's an interesting theory. That is
1: an interesting theory. And in two years, I've never said that about any of your oh, theories. Oh,
0: fantastic. My theories are always <laughs> right in the long run. The Broncos have improved. They hung on and hung on. I think if that was earlier in the year, they would well, have been... Well, they bottomed out. They bottomed out. Yeah, that's right. They would right. have been blown right. off the park. Well, the
1: Knights were a bit impatient that, too. They were. I thought they tried Tried to force it a little bit.
0: But the Broncos, you know, kept on trying and hung in and hung in. But it was only going to end in with one winner, I thought. And I thought the yeah, Knights were, were sort of all over them. And they just struggled to score, like you say, at the beginning. And then the funny thing is they were so gallant in holding them out for so long. And then the try they led into Clifford was just so soft. He just <laughs> went
1: through three or four tackles. And Jake Clifford's been playing well too. Can I just say that as well? Jake Clifford, good pickup. Who do you think's got the better end of that deal? North Queensland with Chad Townsend or Clifford at to the Knights? The Knights.
0: And I also think (laughs) it was great to see our man Herbie Farnworth in the clear a little bit. So you've got to see... The love
1: bug. He wasn't spluttering, mate. He wasn't spluttering. He's getting better.
0: He's growing along with some of these younger Broncos as well. And I think the Knights attack eventually just sort of... It was almost like they slowly just got better and better and... Eventually, um, Ponga and Tuala and, and Bradman Best sort of eventually put them away, I thought. And Ponga sort of started to come from a little bit deeper and got a little more, more space in the second half. But I thought towards the end, the Broncos just got really tired at the back end of each half. You could see that they were exhausted. And that's when Mitch P stepped through them as well. And they start, all the holes started to appear. But I thought they really, really hung in. It was a good win for the Knights. They could have lost that game, but they sort of stuck it out. Keeps them, you know, in in, in the eight or in touch with the eight. A a good win. And I thought Tuala is looking a little bit better as a winger defensively. The sideline helps him. (laughs) I think that's right. Center is the hardest position on the field to play as a defensive. It is and yeah. but he gives him speed and outside of Bradman Best, like the pass that Ponga gave him, brilliant cutout, but he just put him away and he just torched the the Broncos defense and well, scored I, I've easily. said this
1: before, I think Bradman Best is a little, little bit like Luttrell. He's just carrying a bit. I mean once once he once he gets a proper preseason into him with the new rules, he could be anything next year. He's got all the all the talent he needs. All right, let's move on to the next game of round twenty one, which was the Raiders versus the Saints. Ricky Stewart quite correctly, became the first coach to call out the inconsistency in six again calls uh, for inside the 10 metres after the game. And he, and he deliberately did it after a game he won so that it didn't look like sour grapes. I, I actually agree with him. I, I've been saying it all season. The refereeing's been horrific. And I'll, and I'll get on to Gerald Sutton in the East's game later. The whole season, the six again rule has been hiding very, very poor refereeing. And Ricky's actually suggested if, if teams are standing offside coming out from your own line he would prefer the penalty to a six again, and that'll deter them. From from being offside. I
0: think Ricky Stewart, as much as he's known to complain about the refs, makes a brilliant point. I really do.
1: I think it's a great point. I really think it's the right because point. Because the real so,
0: punishment is the field position, not the fact that you can reset your line constantly. That's
1: why they give away the set yes. the extra tackle yep. down there. So anyway, Canberra started this game really poorly, right? And and Saints held an 8-0 lead after 22 minutes before Jordan Rapano got them back into it. Adam Clune then made a break before sending Tarek Sims over to give Saints a twelve six lead. Then just before halftime. Jack White and outlept Zach Lomax off a Sam Williams bomb to make it 12-all at halftime. Now, Saints had dominated that first half. They had more possession, made four line breaks to zero from the Raiders, and had half as many missed tackles and errors, but the scores were still tied 12-all at halftime. So once it was 12-all, I thought the Raiders would take a lot more into halftime than Saints would. Saints should have been in front at halftime. And then Tom Starling just got over from dummy half early in the second half. After, after a Fagai error, they extended their lead through a penalty goal after Sam, after a Sam Williams 40-20 and, Z- and a Zach Lomax high tackle to make it 20-12. And that's how it finished, uh, as both teams' attack looked really disjointed. It wasn't a fluid game of football, this one.
0: Well, well, I think that's what I thought. I thought the game wasn't entirely fluid. I thought Norman was very engaged early, Corey and he gave an amazing pass to Max Fionge to score. his the first try for the Dragons. You know, it was good to see Zach Lomax play another game, and, and he's he's back again. He looked... He, oh, Zach, Zach, Zach
1: Lomax looked short of a gallop. He does. Like, you know, he, he's yeah, feeling his way yeah. back, and I think... He's got a bit of second year syndrome as well. well not, I know it's his third year, but you know what I mean. Like, he was on fire last year. He
0: did. He, he finally sort of settled in first grade, I think, last year, and he was guaranteed to play every week, and his confidence went through the roof, and he started dominating some games. So
1: Remember, that, there was talk about him in origin too last year he absolutely would have deserved it. he's feeling his way
0: back you know jack de thought had a really good game in the middle he's quite tired he's so
1: much better as a pro. yeah
0: and he gives
1: so much he better. does have subtle He's hands. mobile he's
0: mobile he's subtle and he's got a really high work rate and he kind of i thought he really helped the dragons defense stay solid against the raiders having said that i don't think the raiders really offered that much to be honest um, a shout-out to Hudson. The Raiders
1: won four out of five, but they're not playing well. No,
0: they're not. Shout-out to Hudson Young. The tackle, he almost pulled off on Tarek Sims. I mean, Tarek Sims had him, beat him all ends up, and somehow he's still trying oh, to yeah. tackle him and nearly stopped to trial, which was a fantastic
1: effort. And, 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 and Tarek Sims looked like a freight train. He did. Like, was great, yeah, right? yeah.
0: So, but I thought really the game shifted in Canberra's favour. I think the game really shifted when Starling came on. And it gave them a lot more directness and sparked their attack a little bit more. And they started to play a little bit more up-tempo. And then it was almost like they ground down the Dragons. They didn't do anything flashy, but eventually they sort of found their way over the top of the Dragons. Well, the Saints, Saints
1: would have gone into halftime thinking, we should be in front here. by And by more than one try, potentially. Yeah, I
0: mean, I've, I thought the Dragons were very spirited in their performance. and But to be honest, they, they just couldn't get through the Dragons. The... No, they didn't really threaten in the no, second half. No, they couldn't really score. first half was good. They didn't really threaten in the th- second half. Raiders kind of ended up winning, but they didn't play really that
1: great. Well, let's move on to the 8pm the eight, the 8 p.m. Channel 9 game of the week um, uh, for another team that's going to be out in straight sets in the semis, the mighty Parramatta Eels. Souths, um, they lost this one 40-12. Um, it was the Eels' third consecutive loss. Adam Reynolds also during this game broke Eric Sims' 46-year-old point scoring record for Souths. He's now got 1,842 points or 43 points for South's an an amazing achievement and a bit sad that he's not going to end his career at at South's actually. He's a local junior, he's broken Eric Sims's record, and it just would have been nice for him to finish his career there. Just
0: on that tee with that, I think, like you say, he's a local junior. Who better else to break it? Someone from Alexandria, played for Alexandria Rovers, always wanted to play for Souths. And yeah, to, fantastic. To turn into the greatest ever point scorer. I mean, that's kind of a fairy tale type of thing, right? One of my notes was, it was kind of sad that he did that in an empty stadium. He didn't have a lot of the South fans there to celebrate with him.
1: Well, he's going to say goodbye in an empty stadium. It looks
0: yeah. Like. I mean, great achievement, amazing achievement, but that's probably just a little bit of a downer on it. But you know, good on Adam
1: Reynolds. Oh, good on you glass half full G. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that haven't picked up, G is in you know, a funk this evening, depressed after his Zata was confiscated by the police on <laughs> the weekend. So the the Rabbitohs left edge, and I'm sick of saying it, Latrell and Cody basically killed us during this game and Souths led 32-0 midway through the second half. In fact, until Mike Acevo scored, we had scored 16 points in 255 minutes of football and none in the preceding 140 minutes prior to Mike Acevo scoring to capital off. Against Souths, we cannot beat Souths. We have now conceded 154 points in our last four games against Souths. Our best defensive effort against Souths is conceding 38 points. Mitch Moses was back, but uh, but the attack's too rigid and relying too much on kicks. And I thought it was Josh Mansour's best game in a Souths jersey, actually. He was, he was really good, ran the ball really strongly. On the back of that left edge, um, just back of Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker's work. And Souths were impressive and Parramatta were not. And the windows shut and we're going to finish six. Then we're going to go out in straight sets. And I'd still rather be an Eels fan than a Bulldogs fan. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Watching the Eels, I thought Gutherson tried to intimidate
0: Souths by shaving his head this week. But it, it didn't work. It stopped Souths from it's scoring. The, he's, it's the worst head. Yeah, It stopped Souths from scoring 50 points instead of um, 40. <laughs> so he he'd had some he, impact. I think for Souths, I think... Look, Cody Walker is just a magician, right? Can Souths win it? I don't know because I don't know... I don't think they can. I don't think they can. Here's an interesting point I want to mention. Is last year, Cody Walker made... You can't play
1: Parramatta every week.
0: You can't. But (laughs) Cody Walker also made Corey Allen look like a brilliant first grader. Now, Luttrell... Yes, instead of origin in the centres, he was a powerhouse and he barnstormed two people. If Luttrell's not in tip-top shape and these games speed up in the semis and he starts to tire like he did in some of the origin games, Souths can't afford him to get tired. They need him to be absolute at his peak physical condition to beat Melbourne or Penrith. Can they win it? Yes, but
1: I think, I think part of why Luttrell also looks very good is because of Cody Walker. I disagree. Yeah, I think he. I think he's a standalone player now. Cody Walker and him combined brilliantly. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Luttrell would be a fantastic player whether Cody Walker was there. He was great for the Roosters without Cody Walker there. He was great in New South Wales without Cody Walker there. He is just as dangerous with or without Cody Walker. That combination's amazing. I I agree with that. Cody Walker doesn't make Latrell Mitchell.
0: Oh, no. I know that. I mean, I just think sometimes he's giving him a bit more space to move, right? So
1: Sure, sure, sure. I agree with that. They're a great combination. Latrell Mitchell would be a great player whether Cody Walker was there Absol- or not. Look,
0: absolutely. I just a- and that... I think
1: Cody Walker would be a great player whether Latrell was there or I not. I think
0: the hard thing is, T, is we're basically talking about, like we said from the beginning of the year, is two different competitions, right? right? So I'm probably sounding harsh on Latrell. I think he's a brilliant player because I think to beat the Melbournes and the Penriths, Souths can, but they need something extra from him. They need more speed. They need, need more dynamism from Latrell. right? I'm probably just saying, hey, there needs to be a little bit of an extra gear for Luttrell against Penrith and Melbourne to beat them. Souths have got the skill to do it. And I think what's impressed me the most is, other than like Cody Walker being a magician every week, is Murray's starting to play himself back into form. Colin Matungi and Jai Arrow are really starting to fit into their team a lot better, and Mark Nichols has gone up a level too.
1: Yeah, the professor's doing the a professor. Great
0: job. Mark Nichols is actually playing really well as a mobile prop, and he's starting to pop up in different areas of the field as a as backing up the play, which I think gives him
1: a different bit of a different look. This is my opinion. I think South's. In attack, other than the storm, are just as good, if not better, than Penrith. They are. It's Cody Walker's a magician. Defensively, they are a fair bit behind both Penrith, Melbourne.
0: I think that's where they can get caught out. But attack wise, can they trouble Melbourne? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but they can't go. They can't go with Melbourne for eighty minutes. Like, like I can't see them beating Melbourne.
0: Yeah, they're probably the one team that can
1: attack wise. No, I think I think Melbourne. uh, Melbourne. I think um and Mandy. I think the Panthers with. Nathan Cleary are a chance Because the Panthers from earlier this season If you can get that version of the Panthers back They'll be a red hot go And I think I think Manly showed enough in this game To say that they, they, they'll they be able to threaten But but I, find, I I think Manly are a better balanced side So I don't think there's this massive dispa- There's not as big a disparity Between Manly's attack and defence I think there's a big disparity Between South's attack and defence Yeah.
0: Look, this game was just too easy for South They picked you apart And Cody Two Walker yeah, was just yeah, yeah. Uh, Honestly, brilliant um, I agree I, I agree. think Mitchell's low-look pass was a highlight it was fantastic skill by Latrell and also you know his grubber to Gagai I mean there was hardly any pocket of space there and he just softly put it between three players for Gagai to pick it. look that's just magic play right just to have that Vision and skill to be able to do that, and that was deliberate too. and I think once South got to 32 nil, they just switched off. So they gave Para the merciful. I, I honestly think t they could have racked up 50 or 60 if they kept on going. They switched off, they could have racked up 50 or 60 against us the last three times we played them. The, the one interesting thing is that South are a little bit aggro as a team, and, and, and they needle well, J, It's Jay Arrow. Well, there's a few, right? Cody Walker's a bit of a niggler. But you know in some of the yeah. big games when things get tight, that can actually go against you. I think it's okay when you're flogging some of these teams and you're giving them a bit of stick, but they also could be a team
1: that could lose their composure pretty quickly if the game's very tight in a high-pressure game. I like don't the think semis. they can win. I mean, I, that might be controversial after they toweled us up. I, I, don't think, I don't think Souths can win. I don't think they can win the Premiership. I would have Manly, I would have Manly above Souths as a Premiership I would at the, moment. At the
0: moment. And look, this, it's a one-way traffic. The one interesting wrinkle for Parra was when Moses... Took on the line and stepped past tiring attackers and then put a grubber through to Wonga. You got
1: to see more of that. That's what you need from those. He needs to. Th- yeah, I mean, but it's line. different doing that when someone's put the cue in the rack versus we weren't. We weren't at the races that game. Yep, I agree. And 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 I don't. I don't think. I don't think you can take a play after Souths had stopped trying and say that you need to do more of that. We just. We just weren't there from the beginning of the game. Brandy actually
0: made a comment saying that. After the game, I was listening to it, which was very interesting. Where he said, you know, they, they played as if it was a training run. And he said, that can make it look like they're trying. And he said, but really, there was no intensity there. And he said, it's a subtle difference, which I thought was an interesting comment. But
1: it is. And Brad Arthur's been hinting at that this season. In some of his comments, he said it a few times this year. When we go looking for the contact.
0: Front loading. We need to front load. How about... Brad Arthur you let the eels play a little bit of footy mate maybe that's the problem none of this front loading rubbish
1: yeah I look I agree with that I agree with what you're saying the attack's disjointed and not working at the moment but parra is a team that can fake intensity and when they've got real intensity they they're better very interesting observation look I I think they're struggling I think
0: they need to tweak their attack and they thanks, need to just scoop. look they just need to go for it none yep. of this yep. we're going to grind out a win just go for it mate you've got nothing to lose you can't beat these good teams unless you just You challenge him and give it a go and sideways movement with no directness isn't what's gonna do it with block plays and having gutherson relying on gutherson to straighten up your attack and give directness by the time he's getting the ball these good defenders have adjusted and slid across and there's no space left they need to have dylan brown moses they need to play like jerome hughes and munster they really need to copy the way Melbourne plays, I think. Then that'll give Gutho space. And
1: I don't think Dylan Brown's good enough to play that way
0: yet. Maybe not T, but they need to come from more depth as well.
1: Gee, I'm almost at a point. I'm almost at a point where I would start this team again.
0: Uh, you're getting close. You're getting close. I think they're at a point where they've got to really think about, like I said, the way they want to play, the way they want their team to develop. You, in you the say future. we're getting
1: close. You're you. You didn't agree with starting again for the Raiders, and the Raiders are in, by any stretch of the imagination behind us and going further.
0: parrot yeah, but parrot got quite a few building blocks to regenerate some of their team they've got to target their weaknesses and improve that and I don't know if they're really thinking that way it might need a coaching change and a coaching philosophy change
1: well not only that I mean it's just the salary caps hamstring and there's that all right that's the pressing so let's move on to a to another game that rinse and repeat for the Warriors the Warriors versus the Sharks the Warriors got up 18-16 Warriors got off to a good start with Dallin Wateni-Zelezniak crossing early to give the Warriors an early 6-0 lead. The Warriors then had a try ruled out by a controversial bunker decision, which it absolutely was a try, before Will Kennedy broke through the Sharks' right edge and put Connor Tracy away. Then, bizarrely, Will Chambers baited Kane Evans. Now, apparently there's more to this than meets the eye. That's the rumour. Isaac Luke on social media came out, former South's hooker, mm. and said it was quite bad what Will Chambers said to Kane Evans and some of his own teammates are actually gone off Will Chambers for what he said. It was so bad that Kane Evans actually he had a terrible game, Kane Evans. He was baited. He was completely off his game. He threw a couple of punches which um, were pretty soft in the end, but he did get binned for them. Um, he also got binned in the second half for head slamming Will Chambers as a payback. He basically lost his mind. He really lost his composure this game. I'm not surprise it's will chambers you know what was funny i was watching
0: the game ronaldo Mulatalo got a comment from the ref saying hey you're involved in everything and i'm like
1: isn't will chambers what of this?" no no but will chambers is verbal ronaldo oh, Mulitalo, if you yeah. notice he's, he's like he's like the third man oh, in oh yeah clipping their <laughs> knees yeah he's doing all the dirty <laughs> stuff yeah
0: yes
1: he is yeah yes. <laughs> so so In in the first half with Kane Evans in the simbin, the Sharks ran in two tries uh, just before halftime to lead 16-6 at the break. Mm. After the break, the Warriors had the better of most of the second half and ran in two tries in the first 20 minutes of the second half to even up the scores 16 all before Kane Evans' second sin binning. And whilst he was off the field for the second time, the the, the Warriors actually won the scoreboard 2-0. And as a result, the Warriors, who won the second half 12-0, ran out winners 18-16. I mean, this was an exact repeat of the West Tigers game. Even the sin binnings. Whatever it is, the Warriors came over the top, and the Sharks and the Tigers the week before just couldn't, regain momentum in the second half and the Warriors did enough to win. They were two gutsy wins from the Warriors. But I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Nathan Brown, let him play. Why don't they do this from the start? I just think they hung in this
0: game and they ended up winning the game because the Sharks, again, were inconsistent in a game. There was a really good try to Wateni Zelezniak, who obviously seems to still have his speed and athleticism. He's playing
1: great. He's playing great on the wing. I was going to mention this. He's Different player. He looks like a different player. The other thing that was controversial in this game is is they wanted to take a penalty when they were down eighteen, sixteen towards the end of the game, and they actually pointed towards the posts before Josh Hanna overruled them from the sideline. And then they kicked for touch and lost the ball. But the right decision there was to kick for goal. And that was interesting that he got overruled by, by the coach. I mean, he's an interim coach and he had enough confidence to overrule the the players on the field. It turned out not to be a good gamble, but maybe it
0: was his way of showing faith that they can score to the players. I mean, rather than a draw. But I thought look, I just thought the Sharks struggled to score for a while at the start. Well, Tennessee Lesniak again, like we said, showed good speed and athleticism to score his try. It was a really good try. It turned with Mulatalo inside out and beat him to the corner. It turned into the Will Kennedy show. As soon as he started injecting himself and when Nikora Bright Nikora went over and just steamrolled the Warriors player player and went over the top and scored a try and then kennedy busted them again a couple of minutes later just before halftime with a brilliant attacking move by the sharks to, to go ahead 16-6 at halftime i thought the game was over i didn't think the warriors i thought the warriors were there to be taken if that makes sense the momentum had shifted the sharks turned a game that was tight into one that with a 10 point lead in you know two or three minutes and the second half, I don't know what the hell happened. The Sharks came out down on intensity a little bit. They weren't as fluid. They kind of didn't play as aggressively. And the Warriors hung on. And then they scored a couple of good tries. Rich Walsh hunting an offload from Josh Curran. Great, you know, anticipation. That inconsistency cost the Sharks this game in a spot in the eight. The momentum just swung too far. And the Sharks just didn't have enough to score. I think the Warriors took a lot of belief that they could, they could then close that game out. And they did. But the Sharks really good in patches they look really strong and they look like they could score 40 points
1: no i don't think i don't think the sharks will make the
0: eight see i'm a bit disappointed because they have flashes for 10 or 15 minutes where you're like wow they put it all together
1: they score some great tries a up. they play good football they've been like this all season i mean basically since john john morris since the john morris incident they just they've been like you know this in
0: one season. game they'll show you wow you know they they should be like in the top six or seven easily and then in or a ten minute period
1: where they look like well Yeah, players, and then right? the
0: rest of the half, they look like a very ordinary side and
1: I mean they're only two points outside the eight. I just can't see them making it. I mean they've got they've got the Knights, the Tigers, the Broncos, and the Storm. Now they're not gonna beat the Storm. Although it's the last game of the season, if the Storm have this minor premiership already wrapped up, they could it's in their own hands. I mean, that's a winnable if they beat the Knights, the Tigers and the Broncos, that'll get them to 24 points. It's going to be twenty. It's going to be 24 or 26 points that gets you into the eight. I
0: don't know. I just think they've been very disappointing, the Sharks. Inconsistent. Understandable, considering what happened at the start of the year. But they've had multiple opportunities to really cement their position in the eight. And they're sort of blowing it, to be honest. If we move
1: on to the next game, yep. which was the Roosters, the Panthers. This was a high-quality game. Very good game. I thought this was a really, really high-quality game. Equal of any game any season, right? Just a high-quality game of footy. I thought the Roosters were actually the better side despite trailing 14 6 at half time. I do too. I do too. One of the reasons they trailed was because of Gerald Sutton. He was terrible. It was a 6 1 penalty count and three set restarts, one of which led to Jared Warrior Hargraves being sin which I thought was rough. Holding. I mean, that happens every game and people don't get sin And the Panthers scored eight points before half time while, you know, in the six minutes before halftime while he was off the field. Victor Radley and Joey Manu had good first halves and. But, but Matt Burton really, really showed up Sam Walker in both halves of this yes. game. Like completely outplayed him. At first, they had him on the wing. He targeted him in defense. Even the tackle Nat Butcher missed in the second half was because he was overcompensating for having Sam Walker on his right shoulder. You lose trust, right? Correct, yes. correct, correct. Exactly right. So And Matt Burton went at him. The, the bubbles burst on Sam Walker a little bit. I've got to tell you, he is a real liability in defense. He is. Like a real liability. He,
0: you also got Matt Burton, who's got great in acceleration so kind
1: of not a good not a good matchup but great for your bulldogs to have him if he plays like that for you guys next year that'll be a sensational. he would be
0: but i'm still um, kind of caught in between whether he's a five eight or a center i still think
1: he's more of a runner of the football he was fantastic in in the yes. first try when he outpaced sam walker great. And, left, and he left tedesco for dead yeah, right he's got great agility and footwork uh the panthers came out in the second half and matt burton got his second to extend the lead to 20 to six He absolutely terrorised that rooster's right edge. Joey Manu and Tupu got tries on each edge but adam kieran only kicked one from three so it was only 20 to 14 with 13 to go they were right on the sideline. yeah line, he right? kind of right needed to kick line. one just to have them within that four point gap that's right and sam walker and adam hutchinson were really poor i mean this is where the injuries are starting to take a toll, yeah. a toll right and the bubbles burst on both of them matt burton was man of the match and but joey manu was not far behind he had over 200 meters he was absolutely he has been playing out of his skin I don't think it'll be James Tedesco that gets their player of the season. I actually think it'll be Joey Manu. That's how good he's been for them. As they were chasing the game in the last few minutes, um, Anthony Tupu threw some ridiculous passes that he would never throw in any other circumstance and and lost the ball, and and it was too hard for them to go length of the field. High-quality game. The Roosters have a winning record overall of about 67% over the last four years, Mm. and under Gerald Sutton, that's 33%. I had reason to go look this up because I thought he was... Really terrible in this game. I'm not. I'm not a Roosters supporter, nor am I a Panthers supporter. But and the Panthers won the game twenty to fourteen. Good on them. They don't look great. They they're getting the results they need. But I, I just thought, my God, he's only refereeing one side. Look, there's certain teams that always have a
0: a ref. I wouldn't say th- that they sometimes don't gel with. That's always the case, or they have a certain ref that doesn't suit their style of play. Yeah, or I know. Para had
1: Henry Perinara who played for us.
0: There's certain refs you some teams you know, uh, play well under and Others they don't For whatever reason Whether they ref the ruck different Or they speed up the game a bit more Or they don't call as many offsides It's it's quite a f- variable But obviously Jared Sutton The Roosters Is something
1: not quite right there So Well Jared Warrior Hargraves Only played 12 minutes in this game Which is a bit of a You, you never criticise Trent Robinson For his coaching But that was an odd decision If I was Jared Sutton I'd send him to the Symbian Every five minutes as well <laughs> No he does He does run close to the wind We've always said
0: He's, he's kind of always on the edge So look He's always on the edge This game I thought the defence was
1: was good. The handling was good, but the, but the Roosters are not out of this. Man. No, they held those. pants. I thought they were the better team on the night.
0: Both sides. I think they did struggle to score points, both teams, because there's so many changes. The Roosters have to get used to the changes again. they got Hutchison, Walker. they got Manu on the wing. They had Kieran and Tupanua in the centres.
1: I hear you. I think that's right. I think that's right. They
0: they weren't fluid, and they were really reliant on, on Jimmy Tedesco and Manu to really try and impose themselves. Jimmy, in this
1: team with this many injuries, is overplaying his hand. I don't know whether you noticed that. Yes. Yeah, he gets the ball three times in a set, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's running around from you know. He's trying to create something. He needs to. He needs to take a step back. Actually, he's trying to do too much. He's trying to do too now, much. I think
0: it feels like he needs to step up and and really sort of take control of the game. And sometimes he does, but I don't think he needs to do that the whole game. But and that's look, that's going to take sh- shake itself out.
1: But that's part of the attacking fluidity. It right? is because he feels like it's the, they're not in their rhythm. They're not. He's just he's just trying to create. There's no rhythm. Manu's
0: shifted to the wing. Like like saying t- Tupernoor's on the on, in the centers. Adam Kieran, he's not a center now. He's playing in the centers they're just short everywhere the Roosters but they're still playing fantastically well um, turning up in defense and I thought Burton's explosiveness and individualism is what was the difference in the game the Panthers I thought were struggling to score points as well the one good thing that I saw that was different from the Panthers was the try that Burton did score came from a Viliami kickout cutout pass and if you notice out doesn't usually play that type of role no no that's a very good change because the defense is always going to Run two or three players at him just because of his size. Well, let's let's see whether he's added it to his game, or let's just see what that was. Whether that was a one off or a yeah. You were saying that um, yeah. that's that space, and then he torched. That was a great try, great speed and great evasiveness. And the second try he scored with the step and the power and the explosiveness. He's got great explosive acceleration and good footwork. And before that, he made that long break from dummy half as well. So his touches of class were the difference between the teams. But I thought both teams played well. There was elements of good football, but they both struggled to score points because I think they're both lacking some fluidity in in, in attack. And the Panthers had some of their stalwarts stalwarts there, but you did have Momorovsky, who hasn't played for a while, in there, you know, and they had Capewell in the centres. So the Panthers were kind of hampered a little bit as well. But it was a pretty good game. It was a really good game. Good game of footy, though. You know, the Panthers just hung on for a win, but I thought the Roosters were really good considering all the injuries from both teams and players
1: out. So, good performance. Great result. And, And the next game was fantastic as well, and that was Manly versus Storm. Storm got this one 18 The game kicked off and actually Manley made an early break down Melbourne's right edge um, through, through Tommy Turbo. Melbourne then did go on to dominate the first half until the last few minutes when Jason Saab took an intercept and ran the length of the field. No one was going to catch Jason Saab, right? He may be the quickest player in the comp, you know. Him and Xavier Savage. I don't think it's Josh Addo Carl, though he's right up there. And then Ruben Garrick kicked a penalty goal just before half time to make it 8 all at half time going into the break. Then early in the second half, Ruben Garrick scored to put Manley up 14 8. Yes. Um, so, and they were looking like they were going to win the game, but, but they, they, they actually lost a bit of composure at that point. They dropped the ball, coming up with some mistakes, and then the Storm capitalised running in two tries to retake it, the lead 20 to 14. Yeah. In other games, the Storm would have gone on with it, but Manley fought back. And, and Reuben Garrick got his second to narrow the Storm lead to 20-18. To the Storm eventually won the arm wrestle. It turned into a bit of an arm wrestle towards the end of the game. Yep. Um, to run out 28-18 winners. And, and they managed to keep a lid on Tommy Turbo um, for most of the night. They did. Uh, but Ma- but Manly will take a lot out of that performance, particularly given the Storm had 58% possession and Manly only completed 67% of their sets. So... If they can keep the ball and make a few less mistakes, they
0: troubled the storm. They have the attack to trouble the storm. And they have the variety that can go to both sides of the field. And they have pace, T. They have explosive pace and speed. So Melbourne's... You know, if you look at some of the tries Manly scored, I think, you know, it was just due to the speed at which they executed. And Melbourne's defence wasn't quick enough to cover the gaps. Melbourne did have a few players out. They too. did. But, I mean, look, fairly strong sides from both, both teams. I thought one thing Manly could really take out. I was surprised at their defence. They really held on and held Melbourne. They did. They really did. To keep to keep the Storm down to
1: eight points in that first half, the Storm were buried in their 20. They were
0: buried in their 20. And if that's any other team, you're, you're looking at a 20, 30 point oh, yeah. halftime deficit.
1: Well, so I've got a theory on that though. The reason they were able to keep them out. Now, I don't know how much of this is deliberate. Melbourne struggled to score.
0: When they're within the 20?
1: Correct. Because they've been, it's in between the two metre lines, they've been scoring a lot of tries. Some of the games they've won this year, the opposition's had more tackles inside the 20 than they have, and they've blown the teams away.
0: I don't think, no, I think that's actually a good theory, because if you look at why Melbourne blows teams away, a lot of it is because of their pace and the depth at which they attack, right? That doesn't happen when you're in the 20. You don't have enough space. They're
1: They're attacking teams in areas that traditionally, over the last 10 years, teams haven't been attacked from, so the defensive structures are not the same Correct But you don't have Car coming back From 25
0: metres Behind hitting the ball At extreme pace Where you do get that When you're Like you say Attacking between the 20s You know what I mean So they've got that run up And that depth That they They, they hit the ball at So they, they come at you With a faster speed So I think you're right um, I thought Kenny Bromwich's Try was great the smarts to get down that low. Because otherwise, I think he probably would have been held up. But the fact is, they just no, snuck over. Right. After all that pressure, it really sort of told the story about Melbourne um, Manley's defence. Which, again, I was actually surprised about. I didn't think...
1: I'm surprised Kenny Bromwich was able to get back up. It's a long way down. <laughs> it's
0: a long way down. I think the Storm kept the pressure up and they just couldn't really score. I loved the intercept by Jason Saab. Not only because... Of course you did. change the momentum of the game. But, T, there's a lot of plays. And teams that use that cutout floating ball. And Jason Saab's six foot five and can get up there, right? He's he fact- never going to go over him, right? I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. This is the confidence that Manly are playing with now. The fact that he actually went and attacked that ball and grabbed it literally out of the air, jumped up six foot, like you say, was never going to get over him, but he went out and attacked the ball. He didn't wait. And once he took it, here's a difference. He's got so much pace that once he was gone, he was gone. It was a try. Whereas some yeah. other teams, you know, might have had Addo Car or someone running running down. So that change of momentum and the, to go down 8-6 or 8 all at halftime after all that pressure, I think, was amazing. And I think in the second half, Garrick and Turbo, I think Turbo created enough space for Garrick to score two wonderful tries. But Garrick hit that ball at top speed. He was coming back from 20, 30 metres back and just, it was just inches, right? But he just stormed onto that ball at full speed and two Brilliant finishes. I love. Garrick's playing with incredible confidence, and I thought. Well, and he's the comp's leading point scorer at the moment, right? He's he's in. He's he, like this is his breakout year, Ruben. Yeah, because you remember he had that first year where he sort of came out really well, then. He sort of struggled a bit And then at the beginning of this year It looked like his confidence wasn't there And then they shifted him to fullback a couple of games And he had a couple of really good games And then since Tommy Turbo's come back Their combination's just been phenomenal You know which player I really, really thought Had a really good game for Melbourne? Justin Olam Just his Yeah, I think so too His desire and his fight Like some of those tries He's just always looking to just run the ball as hard as he can I I just thought it made a big difference He was always ready to take the fight up to man. I think you're right I think you're right. You know, Melbourne's defence was excellent, and Manly really had to work to score those tries. It was like an inch of space, and they, they snuck in. As they got tired, Manly, towards the end, then you had Jerome Hughes looking for those tired forwards, and Schuster and was Alawakatu just bang, step straight through the gap. That it does to, he, he picks his spots, Jerome Hughes, perfectly well. And, you know, then Gary got unlucky with the unlucky bounce, and Melbourne scored, and then they, they went on with the rest of the game. And Great game of football. And if you're Manly, I think I'm with you. I think we got a shot to beat Melbourne. We didn't have dominate possession and we were right in it for nearly the whole game. So if the possession arrow becomes more balanced, you kind of feel like you like your chances at full strength, right? Because I thought Harper... Harper as well adds to their defensive ability on that, that fringe. Oh, he's, he's He's been a sensational fan. He got caught out by... Bromwich at times because he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he reads the game really well. So he's oh, always mate, got his body yeah, in the he right does. spot. He really right?
1: does. He makes the right play too. I, I like Morgan Harper. I mean, it's different if someone's bigger than you and runs over than over you. That'll that like that you can work on. If you're Desi, that you can work on. But the kid makes the right reads.
0: It was harder for the Storm to score. I did like the fact that when Saabs took the intercept and scored, even the fake crowd got really excited about that. <laughs> it was hilarious. He scores and all he's the, the volume game. Do you up. like the fake crowd? No, it's just but it's
1: noticeable, right? I think it'd be I think it'd be pretty eerie without yeah, it. I yeah, I was like,
0: what an intercept and then you saw realise hang on, the crowd's cheering its ass off and you <laughs> <there's> <laughs> no one there.
1: Manly, good performance, but Storm just a little bit. Better. It's going to take something special to stop this Storm team in the semis. They've got a chance, but everything needs
0: to go right. Because you saw in that game, Manly also defended amazingly well. And we're lucky not to be behind 30-0 at half-time, so I don't know.
1: Let's it was two great games. It was good to see good games of footy. Actually the footy was really good this week. Not weekend, on Sunday. No, let's move on to Sunday. <laughs> first up first up, the Bulldogs versus the Tigers in the Who Cares Cup. I thought on the balance of play the Tigers had the better of the first half. Um the Tigers had majority of possession and had seven offloads to three by the dogs, so they tried to play a bit of footy. So I thought the dogs actually did well to be in the game at halftime because Nick because of Nick Meany magic through the middle of the field and Avarillo sending Waddell over. However, the Tigers did score three tries to make it 18-12 at half time in the second half the Tigers won the arm wrestle and got the first try in the second half to Tommy Talao to extend the lead to arm wrestle is being
0: kind but yeah go
1: yeah, it wasn't a, yeah, it, well, but it, that's, that's, it was mad. It was a mad second half. He wanted to drain the life out yeah, you of the just wanted game, to bomb I, the shit out of Corey Allen, did he? Well, Corey Allen got one back, and but both teams really lacked a bit of class, I thought, in this one. Um, if the Tigers lost this game, they basically should have packed everything up and gone, oh, well, that, I reckon, I reckon they may have been forced to sack Madge Maguire if they'd lost this game. I mean, I don't know what to say, really.
0: I mean, watching this game...
1: Gee, what hope can you give... Forget about the analysis of the game. What hope can you give the f- long-suffering Bulldogs and Tigers fan? Is it going to be another five years at the bottom of the ladder for the Bulldogs?
0: I, I don't know. I don't have any faith in Trent Barrett whatsoever because I start to see players like Dall- Dallin Wateni, Zelezniak. Let's be honest. The Warriors don't play an attacking style of football, and he already looks better as Not a until they're down
1: on the scoreboard
0: yeah, but he looked yeah that's right but he did stuff but what i saw from him already in a few games for the warriors he looked far more dangerous and gets him more space than he ever did for the bulldogs so it was the player the problem or was it the coach in the system
1: well they didn't play him in they, they didn't play him on the wing though did they
0: yeah did they did the yeah but he looked ordinary because they play a flat style of football there's no depth to anything right there's just set plays that's it they don't do anything else they look for, and everything's very predictable. If you watch them play, the defense is already reading what's happening and they're just waiting to smash somebody. It's it's terrible football, generally speaking. Um, but if you watch some of the players, they've got, like you watch Meany in that Avarillo try, Avarillo's got some skill and he's got soft hands. The ball he gave for Waddell was a great ball, right? But
1: Well, I think better than the ball. I think it was the line break that was good. The
0: line break was great and the pass and the backing up, but... They also play without that dummy half thrust from the dogs that they get occasionally from Jeremy Marshall King that run. They absolutely have nothing in attack whatsoever. And I feel Avarillo plays a very programmed game. You can kind of watch it. He's not really looking at what's going on. He's kind of going and passing to the guy that he needs to pass to. They can't break, breach the line. I thought the, the signs at the beginning were poor when Leilua just went straight over. Corey Allen's defending on Moore Marlow was terrible. Sorry, I seem like I'm picking on him, but defensively, he's a dreadful player.
1: He really is. Yeah. The fullback right. or I was wondering what looked different about him. Thank God you said he shaved his mo. You
0: know, he, he tries, but he's just... I don't understand why he's always playing first grade. You know what I mean? Sadly, Nick Meany, who looked like our most dangerous player, is going. Because he's not good enough for the team. And I thought the Tigers did well to be up 18-6. They played okay. You know, having a buy at fullback and throwing some of these long balls wasn't a bad thing. But other than dummy half runs, the dogs didn't have anything. And I mean, after all this time and all these combinations and everything else, is that all you've got? Gee, I I I just think your defense is shit, your attack is shit. And the second half, T, I mean, yeah, they scored that try because they basically just did a couple of passes and got around the Tigers edge just. And Corey Allen, great finish, okay? But other than that, they offered nothing. And the Tigers offered nothing. The Tigers were just bombing. Are we looking at the bottom two teams for 2022? To be honest, the Dogs made the Tigers' defence look very solid. That's my comment. And if you look at any of the other games prior, whether the Tigers have won or been in the game or whatever, there's holes everywhere, and they made the Tigers' defenders look extremely capable. And the Tigers should have belted them by 30. The second half, they they offered nothing but bombs. And I thought it was poor on both sides, but the Tigers won because they were too good on the day. And I don't know what to think Yeah all these players are coming But then every other player Seems to look better After they've left the club So I don't know where we stand I'm hoping I'm hopeful Because of the recruitment but I'm not at the same where, time.
1: Where are the dogs at if you have another five years like you've just had? If you, if you So it's been five years to this point, right? And you're just bottoming out in your fifth year. What do you do if you have another five years like this? And then it's 10 years. It's almost a generation at that point before you've played. You're, you're where the Tigers are. It's a generation. Honestly, it would be a debacle to have a club of that stature
0: and with that success historically, especially in the modern era, to be basically in the doldrums for 10 years, you've really got to think about what you're doing. I mean, look, I have faith in the board. They, they've changed some of the things. They're trying to get Phil Gould involved. They're trying to do things that are a little bit different and really almost humbling themselves to some degree by really welcoming Phil Gould back, if you think about it. Now, whether you agree if, if Phil Gould's good or not, it's more the fact that the egos aren't that big, that they're actually saying, look, we need you, Phil, we need you to come and rebuild the club. So they're actually going out there and getting help. I think that's a really positive sign. Trent Barrett, I think they're going to try and give him every opportunity to succeed, but my, my gut feel is he's not the guy for the job. I think the fact that he's a recruited Flanagan has treated him incredibly poorly. He plays favourites, he chops and changes, he puts players in the same positions all the time. No one's really gotten better. What about the Tigers? I don't know. I thought, look, the Tigers won is probably the best that I could say is... Where are they as a club? They need to do something in the off-season and they need to do something about their training or... They need. Madge needs to be a little bit more open-minded than he has been. I think he's chopped and changed. He's he's let go of all the players that aren't his. Let's be honest, he's fought with... He's shifted Moses and By everywhere. He's gotten rid of him. He's gotten rid of Benji Marshall because he didn't like Benji Marshall. Then he doesn't like Luke Brooks. Then he doesn't like this person. Then he's fobbed off that person. Gotten rid of this... Like, I mean, mate, you've basically retooled the whole team around your image and you're going backwards. So uh, do I think Madge McGuire can be a good coach? Yes. Do I think goes back to what I said. I think he's wedded to his ways that were a success in the past and the game's changed. And you get coaches like that that sometimes get caught in the past because their past tactics were successful. But it means you have to adjust, and I think that's where Bellamy is the master. Bellamy is always adjusting his game plan to suit whatever the rules are or whatever's going to be successful at the time, as well as built around a culture of you know um, hard, incredibly hard work, fitness, and great training for the players and getting their potential and development but they're always tweaking something, Melbourne. Some of these other coaches are just playing the same way all the time. You know, like you know what I mean. And I think he really needs to I go back. I do know what you mean. He needs to go back and rethink the way he he wants to play football. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't have to cha- you know change a culture or what he thinks is appropriate or players have to work hard or anything like that. But I think Madge needs to really have a think about him as well as the players. I feel like he's seems to be more focused on the players aren't executing my game plan. But your game plan hasn't worked for five or six years. Yeah, look, I just think both teams are really going to struggle. We've got better talent
1: coming in, but at least the Tigers have got West Ashfield Club. They've got that centre of excellence. They got they got a bit of money behind them now. The West Tigers. They're just not very successful. I think you have another five years without success. I'm not sure where you're at as a club. I
0: don't either. I unless, think Phil, unless Phil Gould fixes that junior system. Look, I just think it's a matter of we've got to wait and see. They've got a lot of talent coming in, and I think next year you're going well, to you see just, you what... you just
1: got to be careful. You don't want to become you know, the Cronulla Sharks or the West western suburbs of the comp, the, right? Look, the scary
0: part for me is they built their recruitment and stuff around a Matt Burden and things like that you know what things are changing and shifting he's only on a two-year deal some of these players are only on two year deal. if you, the team is that shit and hasn't improved again guess what they're gonna go elsewhere i don't think we've got much time to t- turn this around is my gut feel before some of these players leave again
1: now that is an interesting point you've been on fire when you're depressed you're better on oh thank you fantastic
0: thanks gladys i appreciate appreciate the mood Depressed and drunk G. there's
1: are two interesting G's. <laughs> the everything in between shit. Hey,
0: mate, give me next week. If we're still locked down, you'll get
1: drunk G too. Uh, excellent. All right. It's like drunk house. It's... All right. Last game of the round was the Titans versus the Cowboys. The Titans won this one 36 14. The Titans dominated the first half with 61% possession and only had to make 121 tackles in the first half compared to 207 by the Cowboys. And they took advantage, scoring three tries. And and frankly, they left another couple out there, including Corey Thompson dropping the ball over the line. Then just before to- half time, Tom Dearden was able to block an attacking grubber on his line. By Ash, Ash Taylor didn't attack and grubber. he blocked it with his foot. regathered the ball and went the length of the length of the field to score, making it 14-4 at half time. And they were lucky that it was only 14-4. They could have probably taken a bit of heart that they were still within touching distance at half time. They then came out after the break and the Titans just went on with it. Completely dominated this game beginning to end and, and eventually ran out winners 36-14 to 14 in a seven tries to three performance. Uh, and the poor Cowboys, it's their eighth loss in a row. The Cowboys have absolutely put the cue in the rack. Valentine Holmes was welcome back the Cowboys but um look they got the Tigers this week so they might win that one but you know they're gonna they're gonna lose 10 out of their last 11 or 12 games look I'm with you I think they've kind of switched off for the rest of the year they've had a
0: they've had an awkward year the Cowboys um a lot of the plat teams have but I thought the Titans moved moved them around the park quite easily at the beginning they just couldn't score until Kelly scored and he killed himself in the process which was actually I don't know if it was funny or sad there was no one around him and he dislocated his finger head but the ground. You know what you
1: know what it showed me though, how hard he was trying? That's what that showed to me. Because all because he all he was concentrating on grounding that ball. Yeah. That's all it was. And and he actually hurt himself in the process, right? That's how hard he was trying. You know
0: what? I never thought of it that way, but that's a great point. But let's just say he would die for the cause because he nearly did. Yeah, correct, <laughs> correct. And I just thought the Cowboys were kind of hanging in and hanging in and hanging in, and then slowly they just they just fell away. And then the Titans started to just pull them apart. And, you know, you're getting Fafita now one-on-one in space with people. He, you can't tackle him like that. You need numbers,
1: or at least a round. And I think Sexton has... That's what I was going to say. Toby Sexton, fantastic. That's the best three games from his half-back-on debut in a season I've seen.
0: Look, I like Fogarty. I like his story. I like his passion. But I don't think Fogarty gets back in that team, to be honest. Toby
1: Sexton looks like a player, mate. He is your long-term half. Put your development into him. I think what he's changed is I thought Fogarty
0: when he first came in was running at the line that time where they sort of let loose the Titans and he became a lot more of a ball shuffler. You know what I like about Toby Sexton is that
1: everything he does, he does with confidence.
0: Yes. He's an attacking halfback. He goes for it. Right. And I thought Fogarty got into the habit of just playing through the game plan. And I thought the defenses then would slide across to the Titans um, outside backs and he gave them less space where I found now what I find now with Sexton is by him directing, being more direct and giving the ball really early straight away, he's giving his players a bit more space on the fringe, but he's also running at the line, so he's always engaging. They haven't that first tested defender. him out yet, though. They haven't, but he's none of
1: the teams have tested him out. So, so they're going to do to him what they did to Sam Walker, which is tire him out. They're going to run a lot of traffic his way, but
0: he engages that defender T, so it gives some of those outside backs for the Titans a little bit more room to move, right? Because they have the fastest guys in the world. And I think also Fogarty also doing this, you know, the gold gym training sessions with the rest of the Titans. His chest is bigger than his arms. And I think sometimes he struggles in defense because of that. Um, He can't wrap his arms around players.
1: Because he's overdeveloped himself. He no longer has a neck. So he's got to turn his old body (laughs) to make the tackle. He's like the halfback version of
0: Luke Thompson. Look, some of the highlights for me out of this was both Furmore's flick pass was unbelievable. Unbelievable flick pass to kelly to score sort of behind his back not even looking no look whilst being tackled it was was brilliant and also cowboys did score a great try for val holmes and some of his movement and zigzagging Mm -hmm. through just to score was was quite special even though the game was over and also Corey thompson one of my favorite players doing a little bit of a chip a soccer chip over the top of
1: he did do a little bit of soccer chip. I, I,
0: i think that was totally deliberate like, to actually just sort of lift I'm, I'm it over. I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure. You you may be giving him a little this bit is too what much I'm thinking, credit. That's why I asked <laughs> you. Do you reckon it was deliberate? <laughs> may be give, give
0: it. Yeah, or it could be, I'll i kick it and it is went up. I don't know, is the He just kicked it and it went up.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, is the answer. Okay. Is the honest answer <laughs> right. is I don't know.
0: I thought you might say that because I was like, am I seeing what I want to see? And I'm like, wow, that's great. Or was it deliberate? So, look, I don't know. Corey I don't Thompson know. adds a lot to their team on the fringe. I really he think does. He does. He does. And the Titans are are winning and they're playing a little bit better and defensively a little bit more solid. AJ
1: Brimson seems to have, you know, that try he got in the first half when he went around the right edge there after he regathered the ball after it looked like an error, he seems to have rediscovered a bit of pace. It wouldn't surprise me if he was carrying a bit of a niggle earlier on in the season. It Look, it's you
0: know what, they like we always talk about T, they never really say if they're injured or not. If they're kind no, of out that's there, right. that's they right. might be, like have a, he call, had a call. a yeah. call, he's not feeling, yeah. They don't say anything, they just go out and play. And just on injuries too, as an aside. So it's good to see him back in form. The Titans. You know what? If I were the Eels,
1: I don't think I'd want to play the Titans. To be honest. Well, they're playing well at the moment, but but we don't have to worry about the Titans for the, We got we got bigger fish to fry. We got bigger problems, mate. <laughs> we got Manly this weekend.
0: <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that game. All right. Well, awesome.
1: it's my team against your team. Correct. I'm, I'm I'm a Melbourne Manly man. Can I tell you at the end of this season when the jerseys go on sale, I'm going to get you a triple extra large Manly jersey. I'm a stormy
0: it to sea eagle.
1: Yeah, it's going to it's going to say number one disloyal supporter. So, disloyal can you disloyal. imagine the confusion yeah. that would do you know how disloyal you came across on the pod
0: last week? oh i'm joking around come on man. hey hello i'm the bulldogs are coming last and i'm like losing it every week that means i'm passionate about it. i just can't do anything
1: yeah but the love in your eyes when you talk about tommy turbo is unmatched. oh there's a bit of a glint in the eye
0: there is there is. They're absolutely.
1: Let's move on to round twenty-one. All right, this is another magical round of rugby league. We're nearing the end of the season. There's four weeks to go. Um, first up, it's the Storm versus the Raiders. Well, I think the Storm will start favourites. I think they'll be somewhere in the vicinity of a dollar ten, dollar twenty, um, and they'll have a 12, 12 or so point start. And I think they will win the game. I <laughs> don't. The Raiders don't have enough points in
0: them. I, I I don't think the Raiders have any chance to beat the Storm. To be honest, I think the Storm will make it eighteen in a row and we're looking at them the closing in on well the new modern day record since that rooster yeah. brilliant roosters team in the 70s i really think that the storm will show up the raiders poor form this week and i'm expecting the storm to win by 20 plus plus. and i think they've got too much pace for the raiders on top of that and the raiders have been winning by whilst playing poorly so storm easily for me i can't see the raiders really doing much they've got too many holes they rely a lot on Tom Starling to sort of shake things up for them. Whiten isn't in the same form as he was last year. And the Storm blew them off the park in the semis. So the Raiders have probably gone backwards and the Storm have gotten better. It's a Storm by 20-plus
1: this week. All right, let's move on to another, what should be another close game, and that's the Dragons versus the Panthers. Yep. Um, yeah, I think you got the, Dra- the Panthers are going to win this too. I think if Moses and
0: Byer leaves the Tigers and place for the Dragons this week, the Dragons might close the gap to um 20 points 40 points yes. look if nathan cleary's not back <laughs> i shouldn't laugh if nathan cleary's not back i think the dragons they showed a little bit of spirit last week they do they just can't go the, they can't go the whole 80 minutes right so i and i don't think the panthers doing an attack they're a bit they're just without cleary they're not the same machine and they're
1: disjointed yeah yeah i agree i agree so i think but, they, but they'll have another. They'll have another. They'll have twenty six points in them, right? And the dragons might get twelve.
0: Yeah. So I I expect the panthers to win, but I actually don't think they'll flog them. I think the panthers will probably beat them, like you say, by fourteen or so, unless the panthers somehow just click into gear and play an amazing game. But panthers by about fourteen for me in this game. I think the dragons will be spirited and fall away towards the end. Lomax is back. Max Fiangi is looking a little bit more comfortable. You know, like. There's a few, There's they're playing some of the younger guys and it's a bit more positive. Jack DeBellin's playing better. Can I tell you something about the Panthers? I don't know what's happened to Charlie Staines. I, his form has fallen off a cliff. He has a little bit. I think he was at the end of a incredibly clinical and fast executing back line. And I think the stodginess of that sort of back line now and the ball's not coming out as fluid. He's not getting as much space on the you know what, Jerome Luai's got a hangover after Origin too. He does. I don't look. He doesn't have the same space when Cleary's playing there, and his running game is
1: become more negligible. Well, without Nathan Cleary there, they're not really focusing
0: on Tyrone. They name, don't. Right? They don't play off each
1: other.
0: He's not as dynamic. He's not challenging the line as much. Burton is, but Luai's taken a back seat, and I think that hampers um, his game, and I think the Panthers suffer a little bit. So the Panthers are going to be rusty for a bit, and when if Cleary comes back or when he comes back, hopefully, it'll take him a week or two to click again. So you'll see them a bit up and down for a while, but they they're too good for the Dragons. The Dragons can't score enough points to beat them, really.
1: Well, I no, I think the Dragons have got points in them. Okay, I, I think the Dragons will score points. I just don't think the Dragons will stop the Panthers from scoring. Oh no, points. they won't. They can't. Yeah. Okay. So all right, let's move on to the next game, and this will be the game Channel Nine game on Friday night: Broncos versus Roosters. Broncos have been better the last few weeks. They've certainly bottomed out and are on their way up. It's a long road back to the top. I thought the Roosters were really good, really good last week against the Panthers. So I'm tipping the Roosters in this one. I don't think it'll be a blowout though.
0: I think this will be a close game. I think the Roosters win because I do think the Broncos still struggle towards the back end of each half. Um, they do run out of puff as a team, not every player, but, and I think holes open up and the Roosters are a little too much of an 80 minute team to not take advantage of that i think this week you'll see copley move probably on the wing and you'll see manu slot back into the centers which makes the roosters stronger they've had a week or two before that sort of settles and i just think the roosters are playing reasonably well and i think they'll beat the broncos by probably 16 points i think the broncos will be spirited again they'll hang in they might score a couple of tries but ultimately i think the roosters will be a little bit
1: too good defensively okay let's move on to the super saturday shitty Saturdays, as we week- coined it a few weeks ago um first up you've got souths versus titans um i'm tipping souths but i think this score line could be 40 to 30 that's what happened last time when we made a joke
0: about it i don't know if the titans will throw the same type of um ammunition at them they're playing a little bit more composed or controlled yeah they are and and their defense has been better their defense has been better, but Corey Thompson, who tore okay, the Rabbitohs, thirty-six to twenty-four. Corey Thompson, who tore the Rabbitohs <laughs> apart last time, is back. Um, I look. I ultimately, I think the Rabbitohs are going to take advantage of the Titans' defensive weaknesses. And Cody Walker's like literally laying on four or five tries this every week, and I don't see that stopping against Brian Kelly and Maju. I, I think they'll get caught out, but. I do notice in the last game, the Titans targeted Campbell Graham, and he's not there. So I don't know if they're going to get the same impact out of targeting Tane Milne. So we'll see how they go. I Yeah, maybe a 36-26 type of game. It'll. I'm looking yeah. forward to watching it just to see what happens. But the Titans yeah. kind of... It won't be a defensive masterpiece. Yeah, some piece, of the craziness has disappeared.
1: It's not going to be the 1986 grand final 4-2. See some of those
0: games early in the year where the Titans are up 30 points to 6 and then they lose four, 38 to 32. <laughs> they seem to have that seems to have stopped a little bit. So, Rabbitohs in a high scoring game.
1: Next up on shitty Saturday is Cowboys versus the Tigers. Cowboys are have lost 8 in a row. The Tigers can still make the 8 for some bloody through some bloody miracle. Val Holmes is back uh, for the Cowboys. I think this game comes down to depends on where they play it. If they play this game in North Queensland, I think the North, I think the Cowboys could break their drought. If the game's played in Brisbane or the Gold Coast, I think the Tigers will win because the Cowboys don't travel well. I actually think the Cowboys are
0: going to win this game regardless. I, right. I think wow. the Tigers' defence was ordinary. I think they were made to look better or solid against the Bulldogs. And I think people like Scotty Drinkwater, Val Holmes being back, I think the Cowboys will have too much firepower and punch holes in their defense. And I think the Tigers' attack was terrible. And I also think that the Cowboys, despite the fact we feel like they've kind of turned the off switch on, I think if they get a sniff of victory, I think they'll they'll come home over the top of the Tigers. So I'm tipping the Cowboys. Okay. I think the Cowboys will beat them by 12 points.
1: Really? Oh, you don't think it'll
0: be close? No, I think there's a couple of tries in the Cowboys, but it all is dependent, I think, on, on Scotty Drinkwater... If he's that he plays attacking football, and I think the Cowboys. You know their weaknesses T, where they've got a lack like a little bit of mobility in the middle of the field. The Cowboys and. Sometimes they can switch on and off I don't think the Tigers are good enough to take advantage of it I guess So I just think And I think the Cowboys have got a little bit too much spark um, For the Tigers So they'll score a few tries I
1: don't think the Cowboys are fit That's the only problem I've got with the Cowboys But I don't think
0: the Tigers are that fit either (laughs) (laughs) And Michael Cheekham has been around for like 10 years And he's in the centres And I like Michael Cheekham Good good utility But we made him look like a very good centre You did? Yeah So I think if he plays against the Cowboys Scotty Drinkwater will tear him apart yeah, but Scotty Drinkwater also makes... That is also true. That <laughs> is correct, yes. He can also make um, Tommy Talao look like a superstar. So we'll see what happens, but I'm yeah. tipping the Cowboys. I just think... It's a tough one for me. I think if the game's played in North Queensland, I agree with you. I'll give it to the The Tigers Cowboys. are one of those teams I struggle to pick because I always expect them to be better and they're worse, which is probably why we're so harsh on them. And then when you expect them to be crap, they win. The amount of times I've
1: tipped them this year. I've been wrong almost been all wrong. the time. They're, they're my bogey yeah. team tipping. Well, I've seen your tips. They're, Everyone's they're my bogey the, I'll team. tell you who your bogey teams are, yeah. Everyone. Everyone except Canterbury yeah. and Manly. Yes,
0: because I've tipped Manly all the time. I've tipped against the Dogs every week. So And the Storm. So, But yeah, the Tigers are one of these teams I've really struggled to pick, and the Titans. They're, they're, they're two of the teams I've really struggled with at times.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, let's move on to the last game on Super Saturday. As of last week and now till the end of the season, the last five games on Super Saturday, the last game on Super Saturday is broadcast on Channel 9 in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So you get four games free to air a week from week 21 yep. onwards. So last week was the first one, and this week that game is Manly versus the Mighty Eels. As you know, I'm a Parramatta supporter, but I cannot see us beating Manly the way we're playing. And that is all I will say about it. Oh, I
0: this think game. Manly's going to touch you up, to be honest. I think I'm tipping Manly by 20 plus. I thought the police asked you to stop talking about touching things up. Um, they did. The, the horse wasn't happy about it when I punched it. So um, <laughs> it's not. I, I've been sent a warning letter. It um, wasn't eating hay, it was eating a bag of Zartartart. It, it was started sneezing everywhere out allergies um you know there's a, there, if there's gluten in zatar so look yeah. i i'm tipping the seagulls and i, I honestly think they're going to give you a, a a pasting if the eels turn up against south switched off and it was 32-0 this gives me so much joy
1: i've seen your tips this is great for us if you think they're going well, to Well
0: i'm tipping up. Manly i'm going for a Tommy Turbo Jason Saab um, hattrick And Ruben Garrick To score okay. 20 points Sea so eagles 40 Eagles 12 Hang on We forgot to mention C-Eagles Big game Top 4 At stake Big game for the top 4 But yeah I just can't fix winning They can get a second Second shot In the semis and I that's think people will game. be quite motivated For this game though They should be They've got to be right But look who knows I don't know I'm tipping the C-Eagles To thrash you But the Eels are also capable of defending incredibly well and somehow sneaking a win, like because they're that type of team. But I think we're a
1: chance in this game, but yeah, we'll see. I think I think this game will be a lot closer than you think. Alright. Okay. So but I do think Man I think probably Manly will win. But yeah, I don't think I don't think they're gonna put I don't think they're going to beat us by a margin of 30 points. So anyway, let's see how we go. Move. Let's move on to Sunday. The Warriors versus the Bulldogs. And this is a game where I think the, the Warriors only score points when they're behind. So I'm, so I'm tipping the Bulldogs to get an early try and then the Warriors to go on and put 70 points on you guys. <laughs> I'm tipping the Warriors. I mean, after what I saw on the weekend with... Trent
0: Barrett's preferred lineup and the fact that Nick Meany had a good game and Averillo played well and we didn't look like scoring a try against the West Tigers. The Warriors we got no shot. The Warriors win and Seventy to six. I think the dogs will hang in and I think the Warriors will run away with it. Who's gonna stop Reese Walsh? Or well, Dallin would tell you, if I was Dallin Wattelli's Zelezniak, I'd want to score six tries against in this game. Well, that's why I'm saying the seventy, but how many are you guys gonna get? Um, I think I'm gonna tip the Warriors twenty six to sixteen is my guess i'm gonna tip
1: the warriors 70 to 16 it's not gonna happen mate because nathan brown will wait forever to try and start attacking put your hand up if your team conceded more than 60 points this year oh that's right manly didn't concede more than 60 points this year did they all right let's move on to the last game of the round and that's sharks versus knights i think this will be a tight
0: game may tommy's turbo run all over your eels please your eels are
1: cooked well, then, then that means your dogs are dead. They've been in the kennel the whole season. They haven't come out. No, dead. Dead. You should check on I've them. have got to put They're them dead. down, do we? Take them to They've the bed. They've been dead. They've been dead, mate. You've got to get yourself a new dog. Oh, God. A sea eagle dog. <laughs> a sea dog. I will. Last game is the sh- the Sharks versus the Knights. Um, I think this game. this game's got a big bearing on the top eight. Both teams need this one. I think the Knights are playing a little bit better, and I trust them a little bit more.
0: I think the Knights are finally, like I say, I've said before, they're finally getting a settled sort of team. And I think you're starting to see them improve. And Ponga, ponger has got his eye in. He's one of the best players in the competition. I think the Knights will beat the Sharks and beat them relatively easily. I hate to say it, but the Sharks, for me, are another one of my bogey teams. I've kind of seen, like we say, flashes We've during the half game. The teams yeah, they're the all, this explains my tipping, right? So. <laughs> You know, it's one of those teams where you think to yourself, "There's more." They show you the flashes, and you think, "Wow, they're really going to possibly win this game." And they end up losing because they switch. Off. They're just they're all over the place in the same game. And I think the Knights defensively haven't been too bad for a lot of their games. They really struggled to score and eventually fell away. Now that I think Mitch Pearce is now that Mitch Pearce is back, that makes a big difference. You have got Ponga, and they've got some of their strike back in their back line. Their back line's kind of settled. They're more balanced now. And I think their defence holding some of these teams are able to put points on. So you're starting to see them play themselves into some form and win some games. So I think this is a definite win for the Knights. In fact, if I was tipping in this round, I probably would expect to get seven or eight. It's I don't think it's a very
1: difficult round to pick. The only one I'm struggling with the tip on is Cowboys-Tigers. Yeah, because
0: it's kind of like almost like the Bulldogs-Tigers game from this week where you thought they both haven't been playing very
1: well at all. Oh no, I didn't think that about the Bulldogs.
0: Oh, you tipped the Tigers, did you? I did, yeah. Well, last week you said, oh, I think the Bulldogs will get them, but I didn't. So, mm. um, But same, like it's almost like they're both in poor form, so it's harder to tip when they're both in poor, poor form because it just depends on who plays better on the day, isn't it? because they're both shit. So, yeah, correct, correct. you know what correct. I mean? It sounds dumb, but yeah,
1: correct. it's like you, there's no form well, I just to speak of. The Tigers of. have got something to play for. The Cowboys don't. I, look,
0: that's a that's a fair point. They can make the If the Tigers make the semis just by beating some of these teams. It's that's not,
1: it's not whether they make the semis. It's just, I just think, I mean, you've got to be up for this game, don't you? Well, I don't know. I, look, <clears throat> I didn't
0: take much from the Tigers' Bulldogs game other than the Tigers were solid and they won the game. Yeah, right. you, you know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to tell. Some of the footy has been like that this year, but i tell you which game I think will be great.
1: It will be the Warriors-Bulldogs.
0: <laughs> That's because you're expecting Reese Walsh to score six tries and Dalwin Zelezniak to get seven and kicks eight out of eight Correct. from the sideline. <laughs> and I'm, look,
1: I'm looking forward to Luke Thompson getting Simbin three times, first player to get Simbin three times in a game.
0: Like Jack Hetherington. Poor guy.
1: Like Jack Hetherington, That was yeah.
0: bullshit, though. Some of the Simbinings this week and some of the high tackles, I mean, get the, the clamp down. But now they're kind of like just... Randomly simping people with others. It's yeah. inconsistent,
1: right. is the problem. The problem is the rules this year have been applied so inconsistently from game. Should camp. I say anyway. I miss the craziness of those two weeks where <laughs> it the randomly was insane, like wasn't it? everyone like they go to the simping yeah, five correct. times in one game. Like well, so some players, they were walking on the field, kickoff, first tackle, bin. Off. yeah, like in a way you should have come I out. I miss some of that that drama, <laughs> drama. You know, so and they and they decided to do it in magic round. It was great. It was. But they magic. had everyone flying. Uh,
0: it was bloody brilliant. It was, it was fantastic. And then they stopped two uh, weeks later.
1: It was great. The rugby league. It's rugby league. Rugby league. The newest Olympic sport.
0: It is absolutely the Olympic sport. So, um, but yeah, mate looking forward to a couple of good games this week but rounding waiting for the semis really
1: well that brings us to the close of another g and t show for this week once again thank you for joining us and thank you for your contribution off the back fence this week g
0: thank you t i'll be looking forward to talking about how fast tommy turbo ran over your eels next week
1: if it doesn't happen are you going to show up to this program
0: no I will refuse to. Turn I don't up. think you should.
1: I don't think you should. Turn I won't. Up. I'll do this on my own next week.
0: All right. There'll be a bag of Zatar and my cat doing the podcast. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, mate. See ya. You take care. You too. Bye.
0: Bye.